Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Baseball. Baseball is the talk of the town. Earlier today, um, today we're recording this on July 10th, the MLB All-Star teams were announced. And with the All-Star game on the way, that means that we are just a few short weeks away from the MLB trade deadline. So this episode, we are going to be focusing on the trade deadline, some names that could be moved, some teams where there are moves to be made. And when I say we, I mean myself and my co-host for this episode, Noah McGrubland. Noah, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. It's been a while. And uh, I, ho- I think this trade line is going to be a really fun one. F- absolutely fascinating. So let's get right into it. My first question for you, um, who, are, who are some of the best position players that you expect to be moved? Well, um, I think the one that everybody knows is getting moved is Andrew Benintendi. Um, that's the first one I can think of. And I mean, I think he's an, like, he's an intriguing piece for a lot of teams. Um, I, I think, I think there could be a lot of players on his, or, you know, players in his market. I, I definitely think Andrew Benintendi is probably the first one who comes to mind. And with Benintendi, I'm trying to think, where, where do you think makes the most sense for him to land? He's a former, you know, pretty touted prospect now. You know, he's, he's had a resurgence year. I think, I mean, could, could he go to the Bronx maybe if they go for a smaller option? Could he go to, I, I don't know, where, where do you think Benintendi could land? See, I like the Bronx, and I feel like that's been a big, you know, a big destination, destination for him when, uh, you know, Andrew Benintendi's trade market has talked about. But uh, another one I, I, I'm thinking of, and this is just off the top of my head, I, I haven't seen anything about this, is maybe the Brewers. The Brewers, Obviously, that's a great one. Let go of Lorenzo Cain. Uh, and I, th- I think they kind of have a hole in, in their outfield right now. I think Jonathan Davis is playing center field for them. But, you know, they're going to they're gonna have a fun divisional race with the Cardinals, and they're going to need to get some bats. And Andrew Benintendi might be perfect there. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think about them at all. I think that would be an incredible fit. One team that's talked about a lot with Benintendi that I don't understand is my San Diego Padres, who I'll dive a lot deeper into. But Benintendi's been a fine player. In fact, he's been good. But the San Diego Padres, they need outfield help, but what they really need is power. Team has no power, and while Benintendi's having a phenomenal year, he's not he's not bringing you power. He's getting on base a lot. He's getting a lot of hits. He's not really going to do much for you in the power department. So I don't really see him matching up much with San Diego. Just my two cents, though. Um, Benintendi. And so the two guys that I have listed in terms of some of the best position players to be moved, I expect Wilson Contreras to be moved, catcher from the Chicago Cubs. His stats this year, he's slashing as of this morning, slashing 270, 387, 490. That's an 877 OPS, a 148 WRC plus, a 384 WOBA, and a career high 11.2 walk percentage. And so some context with Contreras. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. This year, I would say 
you know, up there with probably the likes of Alejandro Kirk, been the best catcher in baseball. Uh, he's been consistent throughout his career. He has a career 118 WRC plus. There's a lot to like with Wilson Contreras. And so for me, when I think of a fits for him, I mean, really any, almost every team would love to have a catcher of his caliber. Um, the first that comes to mind to me is the Houston Astros. They're a championship caliber team. We've seen it. And for them to be getting such atrocious production from behind the plate, you know, Martin Maldonado is not a big league hitter anymore at this point. He's, he's, he's just not, he's, he's not good. And if they were to get Contreras behind the plate, I think that would be incredible. Some other places, I think if the guardians, you know, were willing to tap into their system and, and, you know, really make a move towards competing for the postseason, I think he'd actually be a great fit there. The Mets have the financial ties to James McCann, but he's been horrible making Contreras a fit. The Giants could use a catcher. Um, for some reason, the Padres have been linked there, which I don't really understand, but it's possible. Ultimately, I think I think there are a lot of places Contreras could end up. I expect him to get moved. What do you think? I think this one has Astros written all over it. Like you said it, and, and it just makes perfect sense. I mean, they need a catcher like they they can't do with Martin Maldonado anymore. Yesterday, uh, July 9th, I'm sure you saw this. He was basically responsible for three Oakland Athletics scoring in one inning. Pass ball, pass ball, and then I think he just made a straight-up error. And he can't he can't hit. Um, and I feel like he, he maybe has eight homers. But that if, if that team's going to contend for the World Series – they're going to have to get a better catcher and they have other needs too, but I feel like that's the one glaring need on their roster and Contreras makes so much sense. And it also makes sense for the Cubs because the Astros have some decent guys. Uh, they have Yanier Diaz. They could maybe make a run after Corey Lee. See, that would be an interesting one. I don't think the Astros would give up Corey Lee for, for a half few months a year. Of, for, for a few, but you know, last year the trade market really stunned me. I mean, teams were giving up a lot for rentals. Like, I don't think Lee would be given up for Contreras, but I wouldn't write it off. And that's not to say there couldn't be more to a deal if, you know, the Cubs have some other intriguing big leaguers that they could maybe attach. But if you're the Cubs, I think you definitely start asking with Lee. And I, if I, Astros, I would have to guess would, you know, bring him down. But you look at this Astros lineup. I mean, it, it really doesn't need to be stated. We know it. We've talked about it before. It's so good. I mean, Jordan Alvarez has been the best hitter in baseball this year. Jose Altuve has been incredible. Kyle Tucker, great. Alex Bregman doing his thing. Brantley, a hitting machine. Jeremy Pena, they have not felt any sort of drop-off there. It, it's incredible. Even throwing Chaz McCormick's been pretty good this year. That's a good lineup. And if you just – and the thing is, in this scenario, we're talking about Contreras, so he's a plus bat. If they could even just get close to average production from that catcher position, it'd be incredible. Martin Maldonado right now, he has 216 plate appearances a 59 WRC plus he's he's a black hole in that lineup if you add Wilson Contreras to that lineup is there a better lineup in baseball well and I'll, I'll give you another position player name that could possibly be an Astro it's Josh Bell Josh Bell I that's mean, the other one I had on my list totally I, um, I I could see I could definitely see Josh Bell and Wilson Contreras being traded to the Houston Astros I mean Yuli Gurriel has kind of just fallen off the face of the planet and uh, that's a smart organization, and I think they'll they'll go for it. And if they add Josh Bell and Wilson Contreras at the trade deadline, 
I know the Yankees are like 61 and 23, but I think that's the best team in baseball. And I, I don't know if you can argue it. I mean, you could argue it, but just on, in terms of a lineup and a rotation and a bullpen. That would, I, I think you'd be bordering historic lineup territory. Because I'm thinking off the top of my head. So if you add, if you were to add both of them, um, you have Contreras behind the dish. You have Bell playing first, Altuve at second, Pena short, Bregman at third, either Brantley or assuming everyone's healthy, either Brantley or Alvarez playing left. You have what McCormick playing center and McCormick or Myers. McCormick or Meyer playing center and and then Tucker and right. That's insane. There's there like is, there's that, like four arguably four MVP candidates because you've got you've got Altuve, you've got Alvarez, you've got Tucker, and you've got Bregman. I mean, obviously those guys aren't all MVP candidates this year, but like in the beginning of the season, all four of those guys could have been considered MVP candidates. It's nuts. It's yeah. crazy. I it's, mean, the, look, the Astros were my preseason pick. I was all on the Astros, and I I right. think. It's it'd be really hard to beat them if you added these guys. And granted, I wouldn't put money on them getting both of them, but I I I would expect the Astros to make a splash for you know one of them or if not someone else big. Going back to Bell as a player, we mentioned you mentioned him as a good fit there. He's having an incredible year. He's slashing 308, 389, 497. That's an 886 OPS for the mathematicians with a 145 WRC plus 381 WOBA and notably a career low 13.3 strikeout percentage. Granted, I don't really put that much stock into, I don't think strikeouts matter too much, just an interesting development. Um, Similar to Contreras, he's a free agent after this season. This year he's been, I mean, he's been close to a top five first baseman in the sport and a big development for him is he's been hitting both sides incredibly well this year as a switch hitter. Uh, traditionally he has been better hitting on the left side against righties, but this year he's been, he's been able to hit both sides. And if you're a contender, especially with the universal DH, even if you have someone at first base, Josh Bell would be a huge, huge impact bat down the stretch. I think we mentioned the Astros. If I could, the Red Sox make a lot of yes, sense. The Red Sox, they came to my mind. They could definitely be players for him. Red Sox make a lot of sense. Um, it will be inner division, but I, the Mets will kick the tires on it because they've gotten absolutely no production from their DH spot. Um, the Padres kick the tires on just about every single player. I think a sneaky team, and I'm not saying that I think they would make the deal, but I think a team that should be interested is the Minnesota Twins. I think the Minnesota Twins, I'll, I'll talk about them a little bit later, but I think they're just, with all of these big guys, I think the Twins are a sneaky team that could make a run at them. They have the assets to do so and and have the means to possibly be playing meaningful games in the postseason. Yeah, I, I didn't think about the Twins for him, but, like, it makes sense. You have Arise playing first, but Arise is flexible. He can play elsewhere. And ultimately, you, you can use that DH spot. I think the twins are a sneaky, sneaky option there. I, I could, I think honestly, the more and more I think about it, I could definitely see him landing in Boston. Cause I think Boston, even though uh, you'd get two months of him, cause I think he's a free agent this off season. Yes. Correct. I could definitely see them floating Dahlbeck plus a prospect. And I think that would be appealing to the nationals. I know Bobby Dahlbeck hasn't been that good since last year, 
But, you know, the Nationals have to think to themselves, well, you know, if we find something in Dahlbeck, like, like he, you know, he could be a 30 homer hitter a year. And I feel like that'd be a pretty solid return for Josh Bell. Yeah. While also getting probably, a, a you know, a, just a minor league arm or bat. Yeah, I, I agree. And you, we, we were talking about the how prolific the Astros lineup is and could be. This is a good Red Sox lineup that, you know, J.D. Martinez still doing his thing. Xander Bogart's phenomenal. Rafael Devers, one of the, you know, he's hitting like one of the best in the sport. If you were to add a bat like Josh Bell, that's, that's a scary middle of the lineup. Um, I still, I don't know if it would make that huge of a difference in terms of the, you know, I think the AL East would be hard to climb that mountain, but adding him would really solidify them. And we're going to, you know, make a run to, to try to make the playoffs, not just make the playoffs, but, but try to make a deep run. Cause yes, they'd have to take care of stuff on the pitching side, but, but Josh Bell is, he, he's mashed this year. Well, you know, I think about the AL East, like for the Rays, Red Sox and uh, Blue Jays is I feel like if you can get into the playoffs, you've survived the gauntlet of the division. Then like, you know, you're there, you've made it. And then it's just a new season. So I think like for the Red Sox, they should be buyers because they, sh- you know, I think, th- I think they'll make it through. They'll make the wild card. And that team has a lot of postseason experience. <sighs> they, I mean, you know, they could go on a run. They're a scary team if they can get it together. But I mean, you have some sleeping giants in terms of Trevor's story has been hot and cold this year. He hasn't really been what they signed him to be. Rotation, you have, you know, the Chris Sale return looming. Um, and you have, you know, Nathan Evaldi is a, a postseason guy. He's He's been around. He's been around the block. They have guys that can turn up. So it's, the Red Sox are a fascinating team. Um, switching gears a little bit to the pitching side, who are some of the best pitchers that you think will be moved and possibly some good fits for them? Well, I think a, a guarantee to be moved is Frankie Montas. Um, assuming his shoulder's all, all good. I, I, I know he's been dealing with a shoulder problem, but I'm sure that will be resolved by the deadline. And uh, yeah, I think Montas is the clear best pitcher on the market and I think some of his suitors are the Cardinals the Yankees and uh let's see does anyone else come to mind I I really I like the Cardinals here um the Cardinals need an arm but they need a few arms but a guy like Montas could hold down the rotation until Flaherty's back and I don't think that the Cardinals would have to pay they wouldn't have to pay a ransom Whereas I feel like the A's, they don't want to move him in the division because I'm sure the Astros and maybe even like someone like the Mariners could be players for Montas. I think they'd be more inclined to move him to the NL. And uh, the, the Cardinals could probably honestly get a pretty good price on him for who he is as a pitcher. I mean, he could be an ace. Like he's a little inconsistent, but when Montas is on his game, he looks like, you know, one of the best. So I, I like Montas to St. Louis. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think Montas to St. Louis makes a ton of sense. I think you could go back to the AL East and look at all those teams. Every single team is always looking for pitching. So you can look at the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, um, possibly, you know, even the Rays. 
Montas has been really good. You know, the, the shoulder injury is a concern, but it sounds like it's not a major concern. He's 29 years old. He's made 17 starts this year. He has a 3-2-6 ERA, um, a 3-2-9 uh, FIP. Over his career, 3-7-5 ERA, 3-7 FIP. That's a model of consistency, man. One, one important thing is he's consistently been dropping his his walk rate. He, and he had a horrible 2020 season, you know, which was weird for everyone. And from there his walk rates continue to drop. It's been, he's been a much more effective pitcher and his splitter, man. It's one of the best, best pitches you're going to see, you know, both by measuring it with statistics and just by the eye test. It's, it's a very challenging pitch to hit for players playing off of his fat, off of his high nineties fastball. He's controllable through next year too. He's not just, you know, you get it. You're getting a year and a half of him. It'll be interesting to see, the price for him, considering the A's don't really have much of a reason to keep him, although they do have some sort of, I guess, leverage in the fact that, you know, if they were to hold on to him, he's not, he wouldn't walk in free agency this year. I think a name where, the, where those conversations start is uh, Libertor, Matthew Libertor. I think that's where those conversations start. And uh, I think, I think that would be worth it for the Cardinals and the A's. I really do. Um, I just that that would that would be a phenomenal acquisition by the Cardinals because their lineup is so good and their pitching is so bad. Yeah, in terms of a postseason contender, I I agree. They they have the pieces. Their starting pitching just hasn't been there. I think adding Montas, if nothing else, he might he he's not an ace, but he's a guy who you know what you're getting, and he's gonna he's gonna give you dependable innings, assuming that the shoulder injury isn't of, you know, huge concern, which it sounds like it's not. But sh- shoulders are scary. Shoulders are scary, with that being said. Yeah, I, I, that could shy away teams because, you know, that is, that is very scary when you're acquiring a starting pitcher. I mean, so it'll be interesting we've seen it wreck see, careers. It'll be interesting to see how the – how the A's manage it. Cause it seems like he could come back, you know, after the, before or after the all-star break around then. I don't think they're letting him throw. That's the thing is I, I, I don't think you let him throw. No, I don't think you do either. I think unless, too risky. Unless, unless it really comes back good, you want to try to have him make one start. It's, it's risky. I, I think more so the way to go about it is it show yet. Yeah, hey, the medicals are good you know, get uh, sh- show that he's healthy in that sense. Don't put him out on the mound. Speaking of the Cardinals, the last thing they could do is trade a ton for Frankie Montas, and he has a shoulder problem just like Jack Flaherty. And now their two best pitchers are both dealing with shoulder problems, and you know how shoulders are for pitchers. I mean, it's... Shoulders are scarier than elbows. Yeah, they really are, and it's unpredictable. It's really unpredictable with shoulder injuries. It's, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think St. Louis, like, and like, he's even been linked to St. Louis. It just makes too much sense. It does. They're, they're a team looking to take the next step. Um, Dodgers are always interested in starting pitching. I think one, I think more likely for the Dodgers to, to go after though, is my, is the other name that I've written down. Luis Castillo, very similar to Montas. He's a 29 year old. Um, he's made 12 starts this year, and those he has a 2.92 ERA with a 3.03 FIP, a career 3.64 ERA, 3.69 FIP. His fastball is averaging 97 miles an hour. He's top 20 in ground ball percentage in the league at nearly 50%. 
a big development for him. I talked about Montas, his walks um, from this year to last year. Last year, he was walking 3.6 batters per nine innings. Castillo, that is. This year, it's down below three at 2.92. He's also controllable through next year. He's going to be, you know, just as coveted, if not, you know, more than Montas. I I think you're... we're talking about similar teams, except I, I don't know if I don't know if the Cardinals are buying in on Castillo considering it's interdivision. I think that might knock up the price a little bit, but Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Twins, maybe even maybe I don't know if the Phillies have the assets, but if you're the Phillies, you you at least call. Every team means pitching, and I think every team that has any sort of close to enough assets is going to be inquiring on Luis Castillo. I mean, yeah, uh, Luis Castillo, because because he's controllable. I'd say he's better than Montas, but he's also going to cost you more. So I feel like some teams would rather just settle on Montas. Uh, and that's why I don't know if Castillo gets moved. Like, I think he'll get moved, but I, I don't know. It almost it's not a good comparison, but to me, in some ways, it almost feels like Trevor's story on the Rockies last year. Different situations, I know, but like. They should move him. It makes all the sense in the world to move him now. But for some reason, I just don't think they're going to move him. I, I can kind of understand. The, the only thing from. I could justify, like, in terms of not moving him is because he's controllable. Whereas Story, it made absolutely no sense. He was a free agent. He was very clearly leaving. Yeah, sto- Story really made no sense. Really, Castillo and Montas, they're, they're very similar, both in their numbers, their age, their control. They, you know... They're very similar with Castillo. I, I agree. Castillo, I think, will be slightly more expensive for one reason or another. But he's he's one guy that just when he's when he's healthy, he's really fun to watch. His his fastball is you don't see many guys have so great of success with his fastball. His fastball is his best his best pitch. He um at, at 97, the, he just throws that fastball by him. It's, it's incredible. He mixes that with the slider. He's he's a tough pitcher to hit. Like, be- I, I, I guess, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. One thing I could see with Castillo is getting traded somewhere like L.A., the Dodgers, and getting extended. Like, yeah. I, I, I could see that kind of thing with him. Like, where he gets traded, he immediately gets an extension. Yeah, and I think – if you are just in general, the Dodgers are smart with the way that they move guys, but based on their wealth of talent in the minor leagues, if you're a team that's looking to move a player with, with any sort of value, you better, you kind of hope the Dodgers come calling. Cause you talk, you, you talk about a guy like you get Ryan Pepio, who's number six in their organization. Who's been, who's just an absolute stud. Does he? Have, he has a little bit of a walk issue, but he'd be an incredible return. You know, a headliner for a guy like Castillo. There's so much depth in that organization. You know, I don't. You want? I don't think we're talking about someone like Diego Partaya, but you have Miguel Vargas, uh, Michael Bush, Andy Paez. Wouldn't think Bobby Miller would get moved in in that deal, but just in general, Landon Knack. There are so many guys in that Dodgers farm system to the point where. It would it would be surprising if the Dodgers didn't make a big move such as Luis Castillo. And interest interestingly enough, I think his teammate Tyler Molly could be moved to the rival of the Dodgers, the San Francisco Giants. 
I think San Francisco makes a ton of sense for Tyler Molly in so many ways. Um, I mean, I mean, wouldn't you agree? Like San Francisco seems like a really good landing spot for Tyler Molly. Hundred percent, both based on honestly for a number of reasons. Molly, first, just in general, feels like the Dodgers get the the bigger names. Giants go with the more low key, and then you know they end up having success there. And as well, Molly just isn't as sexy of a pitcher, but is you know not as good, but I think can be as good. You look at his numbers this year. He he was great last year. This year, not as good ERA-wise with a 4.48 ERA, but the peripherals say he's not much different with a 3.53 FIP, which is actually the best of his of his career. I I think the Giants would make a ton of sense for Tyler Mollin. Truth be told, that that's kind of terrifying to me to see, you know, if Tyler Mollin were to become a Giant. Although... We'll see. He's another weird one that it makes sense. He, I don't know why they would exactly hold on to him. I can understand I why they would hold on yeah. to him because he's, he's a good player, but just with the direction that they've shown themselves, I don't think Tyler Molly is a guy you keep Absolutely as, not. as a, as a game-changing guy. that You you have Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. Those are more so guys. But the Reds are weird. The Reds, the Reds work weird. I'll say this. I think you could justify holding on to Castillo because, you know, he – he could play incredibly well down the stretch and you think you could get more in the winter. But with Molly, I feel like he's one of those guys that you just got to move on from because yeah, he's really good, but also I feel like this is probably the most you're going to get for him right about now. Yeah. In terms of what kind of, kind of control do they have on Molly? They have him. It's uh same thing. So it's a, a year and a half. I mean, he's, and, and for a team, I'm not Molly's uh, Castillo's the better pitcher, but with Molly, you're getting him at, at a younger age. He's 27 right now. I guess he'll he'll turn 28 in a couple months, and he he's a guy. The peripherals have looked good. Just hasn't you know hasn't established himself with a stuff. But last year he was a model of consistency. 180 innings with a 3.75 ERA, 3.8 FIP. That's the kind of guy that in this day and age is so valuable to a rotation. He's not an ace, but he's a guy that gives you quality innings and can be a reliable starter. I, I think Tyler Molly should be coveted by a lot of teams, not necessarily because he's one of the best starting pitchers, but because of, of what he can do for a rotation in terms of consistency. And, and another thing that's, that works really well for Molly is his stats away from great American ballpark are, way better than his stats at home so you get him out of that place i mean man he could be an ace Ab- absolutely let's look let's pull it up let me find his home versus away he has right now he is on the il that is a that is a thing unknown yes that is true so in 2022 at home he has okay a at home is a 421 fip Away a two six five, um, ERA wise it is not showing up for me because Fangraphs is not being helpful. But the point remains, and and I have to imagine if I click on his career, it's it's similar. I think it's it's different than Coors because Coors it's more of an altitude thing, and Great American Ballpark is more of a dimensions thing. But it is hard to pitch in Cincinnati. Over the past three years. 
He has a 1.7 home home run per nine at home and a 0.52 on the road. Yeah. And that his, his career numbers, I'm looking at it right now. 5.06 FIP at home, 3.52 away. That's and for the fact that you're not gonna have to give up a top prospect for him. Granted, you're gonna have to give something up for him, but you're not giving up, you know, like if you're if you're looking at the Dodgers, for example, you don't you're not you don't have to give up a Bobby Miller, probably Ryan uh Pepio, I would guess. When think about this, putting him in Oracle Park on a cold September night where the ball is not gonna travel at all. I mean, it's almost the polar opposite to Cincinnati. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I San Francisco makes a lot of sense, and I don't like it as a Padres fan. But San Francisco would make a lot of sense, and like you look at his this year, he's been it's been a lot better in terms of not giving up as many home runs. But you're right, you're right. When you're when you're pitching in Great American Ballpark, it doesn't really matter. You're you know you're just susceptible to giving up home runs, especially with him. He's not a Historically, he's not a huge ground ball pitcher. He's not necessarily a fly ball pitcher, but he's not a an Alex Cobb of sorts, where he lives off that ground ball. It's hard to be successful in Cincinnati if you're not a primary ground ball pitcher. So yeah, those are. I'm trying to think. Are there any other starters that come to mind for you that you think will think will get moved? Uh no one that stands out because I think the. Well, definitely Sandy Alcantara. I don't. I don't think any of the Marlins pitchers are being moved. No, I don't either. I think there will there de- certainly will be other players moved. Maybe like uh, I don't know. He's really been recently, but like Ho- a Jose Quintana from Pittsburgh, something something oh, like he'll, that. Some someone will go after him at the deadline. Look at him for cheap, um, uh, and he'll be a solid back end addition. Something like that. The re- relievers. It's always it's always interesting. You, uh, I think it wouldn't – I don't know if he'll definitely get moved, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Martin Perez with the Rangers got moved. I could also see them, you know, extending him, but it also would make sense to sell high on him considering his track record doesn't exactly match up with what he's produced this year. And although he could be helpful for the future, he is 31 years old. So if you could if you could net yourself a decent prospect for him, that would be great in you know building up this team to make a run in a couple of years. A, a guy I could see uh, teams make a play at, and his price would be expensive. Is David Bednar? I think teams will be calling about him, and it really depends on if the Pirates want to move him or not. Absolutely, the Do- You think of the Dodgers. The Dodgers have you know an incredible roster that you know they they won a world series in 2020 they've gotten close the last several years a common denominator uh, overall for a lot of it and especially this year is they don't have a good closer they have you know it's, they it's hilarious Kimbrell. it's it's bad i and almost feel like they uh what they should do is they just shouldn't have a closer and they should just go to the best best available arm it's it's very dodgers i mean i think your best option when he's healthy is blake trinan but also you know you have uh Vesia. I mean, they have nasty arms in that bullpen. I, I just, I don't think Kimbrel's the guy, but that's that's getting off the of topic. Yeah, and the thing is, for a guy like Bednar, if you're talking to a team such as the Los Angeles Dodgers, is they have the ammo to, you know, quote overpay him? If you, you know, if you want to win a championship, when you, you know, you're willing to pay 
premium, even even if it is for a closer, if you feel that that guy can take you to the next level, I'm not saying they're giving up Diego Cartaya straight up for David Bednar, but if they could get their hands on Bednar, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd be willing to move, you know, some of those top guys such as in Andy Pius or Ryan Pepio, Miguel Vargas. I could see them moving someone like Pepio for Bednar and they'd probably get someone else in that deal, but yeah, you know, with, with, the with, thing with is, the influx of pitching in that system, you have Bobby Miller, you have Ryan Pepio, you have Landon Knack, uh, Maddox Bruns too. They're just the the rich get richer. It's like you wouldn't think they just traded two of their you know two top prospects of the deadline last year and Josiah Gray and Kiebert Ruiz. The thing with the Dodgers is they could basically make an offer to any GM that he just can't resist for any single player if they really wanted to. Like, if the Dodgers wanted to, they could trade for Shohei Otani right now. They would make an offer the Angels couldn't turn down. And that's what's uh, that's what's impressive about the Dodgers is they constantly churn out talent. Yeah. Um, enough Dodger talk, though. Let's move on a little bit to more so the team side. Um, what is there a team that you think should or needs to go all in at this deadline? Um, well, I think a team that, uh, that I'm, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do at this deadline is the, uh, the New York Mets. I don't think the Mets have to go all in, but I think the Mets, albeit 20 games over 500, can definitely kind of feel a sense of urgency like okay hey we have we have some some glaring holes on this roster i mean they're they need a dh they need one or two other starters i mean those are some big holes for a team that has the world series in their sights so i don't know if it would be the right term to say the mets have to go all in but i really do think the mets need to make a big splash at this deadline yeah, to me, I don't know if there's a single team that I would peg that they have to go all in exactly. The Phillies are interesting because the Phillies have nowhere to go but kind of buy in, but they don't have the prospect capital to make a huge move, and you have Bryce Harper injured, so that kind of throws a wrinkle into it. But when I think of teams that should make big moves and, and capitalize on an opportunity, I think it's the Minnesota Twins, and I think – um, based on the way that they're constructed, um, on the other hand, in the division, the Chicago White Sox. Um, the, that division is is up for the taking. Minnesota's eight games above 500. They they were active at the deadline, mainly selling last year, and here they are. While the White Sox are two games under 500, the Twins lineup is good. Um, I don't think anyone you know expected it to be bad exactly, but Buxton's been doing Buxton things. Correa's looked like one of the top shortstops in the league, which he's getting paid to be. Max Kepler's been great. Jorge Polanco, good. Um, the big one is uh, if you on the bingo card had Luis Arise becoming the second coming of Rod Carew, congrats, you win. He's been incredible. So the lineup's good. I think you add, if you can add just a, you know another impact batter too, like a Josh Bell, what Josh Bell would do for that lineup would be so incredible. And then on the pitching side too, the rotation, you've had Sonny Gray. He's actually been pr- pretty good this year. Joe Ryan, the young gun, he's been good too. Um, they just they could use another arm or two there, and especially in the bullpen as well. Johan Duran has been great. Uh, Griffin Jacks has been successful too, but outside of that, it's, it's been shaky. Tyler Duffy hasn't been great. 
Emilio Pagan has been horrible. I don't know how he's even still on a, on the roster. Uh, for, they would make a lot of sense to go after some bullpen guys, such as, a, I don't know, a, maybe, maybe a David Robertson, a Michael Givens. Um, so I guess maybe a Daniel Bard. Maybe not all in is exactly the right way to describe the Twins, but I think the Twins should be aggressive. I, I They have a four-and-a-half game lead right now on Cleveland. And they have the foundation to do it. Go grab a couple pitchers. Grab a grab another bat. Why not? Yeah, um, another team that comes to mind, and I, I don't think they have to go all in, but I really do think they have to get a bat, is your San Diego Padres. I mean, it's cliche, but, like, you, I mean, well, I don't know if it's cliche, but you hear it all the time when a team's going to get a star back at the deadline. Oh, it's like they're getting Tatis at the deadline. Yes, they are. They're getting his bat back. But I still think the Padres, they need to get another bat because the pitching's really good. But the, you know, the lineup still a little questionable for me. And if they want to be World Series contenders, they got to get another bat in that lineup. Yeah. And back to, you know, my AL Central, the White Sox, they don't really have anywhere but to go but by. I guess they could stand, but they've built this team. They're too far in to really trade out. The you know you still have guys like Jose Abreu's doing his thing. Tim Anderson's having a good year. Um, Luis Robert hasn't been superstar level, but he's been generally good. You've had a breakout year from Andrew Vaughn. Um, Jake Berger's been playing well. There have been a lot of successes, but then there have also been a lot of bad. There's been um, you know dealing with injuries and ineffectiveness with the likes of AJ Pollock has been bad. His money ground all bad. Yon Mankato when he's playing bad. Eloy Jimenez dealing with injuries again, but for the time that they had him, bad. The rotation, um, obviously Dallas Keuchel was so bad this year that they cut him. Dylan Cease has been great with a 2.45 ERA, a huge, huge, huge snub from the All-Star game earlier today. But they have Lucas Giolito's been bad, five, you know, ERA above five. Michael Kopech, he's been taking a step forward. That's been nice. Uh, Johnny Cueto has been surprisingly very effective for them but uh, Lance Lynn since his, he's returned he's made five starts he's been bad with an ERA above five the the back end just falls off when you have Vince Velasquez has made eight starts and I was a San Diego I'm a San Diego Padres fan I saw Vince Velasquez making starts for me last year you're not going to be winning games for Vince Velasquez making starts for your team they got to do something I don't know if it's if it's in the lineup, if it's in the rotation, if it's both, but they, they don't have anywhere but to but to really try to win because they've just invested a lot into this team that they're they can't really trade out now. So I don't know if there's there's not necessarily someone great that comes to mind exactly. I don't know. Maybe you could get someone such as like an Ian Hap. He'd be, you know, he'd bring a nice versatile bat to the lineup. The rotation wise, they could inquire on um you know the aforementioned castillo montas molly but man the white Sox I, I, injuries are tough but it for them to be at 41 and 43 here that's it's it's been a failure it has been a failure nothing I think short of it the best possible thing they could do if they could do anything would be to trade tony larissa for kevin cash <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I I mean I don't really know what that team's supposed to do, but I I feel like if they could uh, get a good manager at the trade deadline, which obviously isn't actually possible, but 
that would be their best move. <laughs> and and it's not like they're necessarily prospect rich. They're you know they're not really at the same. They most of their t- top guys have graduated, a la you know Kopech and such. You you know you could dangle. Uh, I don't you know they'd probably take a lot to move Colson Montgomery. Um, you could look at maybe the younger brother there of Johannes Espes, Yoel Kui, I believe is how you say his name. West Cath, I believe he was a second rounder last year to the to the White Sox. I, I don't know. They're in a weird spot, but what, they're not in is, a position. What else is there to do? They can't really. There's no trading off guys. Yeah, they're they're not in a position to give up the prospects that they have left. And like, so I mean, I, do you try to do you try to move a Jake Berger? But he's he's been one of the bright spots this year. You've I lost. I think the, They've the lost only thing a lot they of value and you know, like Lurie Garcia has been impressively useless. They, you know, they added AJ Pollock this offseason to try to add another level to them. And it, it just hasn't worked. Same with Gavin Sheets and his, in his, you know, time, he's been average. Everything's gone wrong for them. Simply put. If I remember in the uh, preseason podcast, I was just thinking about this team and I was just like, I thought they'd be a solid team, but I also just didn't I didn't know about them. They just they seem like such a in such a weird spot and I feel like that's that's became the truth. They're it's just a weird team because I don't know what they can do to get better. And the I bullpen, really don't. I mean, they, they added a bunch of arms to the bullpen. The bullpen's like been good. Great Graveman's been good. Um you've had Reynaldo Lopez actually been very good out of the pen. Liam Hendricks has generally done his thing, but I mean, it hasn't been totally game changing. Joe Kelly, when he's pitched this year, he's been horrible. So I don't I don't know what the White Sox are gonna do, but they they got to do something. So that's that's a team. I, I don't really know what an all in is for them, but they got to do something. Uh, and all in on the other side, do you think there's a team that we could see have a fire sale similar to maybe the Cubs or the Nationals of last year? Um, well, I I don't fire sale. I I don't really know if there's any prime fire sale candidates. Because the Reds and the A's already have, you know, done their fire sales. And there's not any, there's not any teams that are, they're like, okay, this team is going to sell maybe Colorado. Like, obviously they've fallen off after their great start. Maybe you could see them say, you know what, we're moving Crone, we're moving Bard. Maybe they probably wouldn't trade Marquez at this point. It wouldn't really make sense, but. You know, maybe you could see that team sell what they've got. But I think a team that is going to possibly stun the baseball world in terms of selling off pieces that could be names like Shohei Otani are the Angels. That's exactly what I was going to segue into. The Angels, uh, as an Angels fan, speaking as an Angels fan, they need to sell. Deadline after deadline, the Angels are kind of in this middle spot. They they don't they can't buy because they're not contenders, but they don't want to sell because they're not at the bottom. But I think this year the Angels need to sell, and I think they need to be the biggest sellers of the deadline. And I think they've just got to realize, you know what? We're not going to win for two or three years. We've got to get what we can get for the thing for the guys we have. I mean. I want to I, I, I want to say they should trade Otani, but it's it's hard to say that. Like it's it's really hard to think about trading Shohei Otani. Yeah, 
the the angels the way they're constructed it's they're in a tough spot that's what i don't i don't think there's a team that it makes sense to have a wholesale fire sale like you mentioned there's there's no real obvious candidate the angels if nothing else should be trading you know guys that they don't have control much long you know on for much longer such as noah Syndergaard. He's been, you know, I don't know if he's been worth their, you know, twenty-some million dollar investment, but he's been he's been generally useful as a three-eight-four ERA, three-eight-three FIP. He could fetch you a decent return, um, and even from there, just any pending free agent, if you can just flip him. I know Michael Lorenzen recently got injured. You could maybe get a lottery ticket for him. Every team's looking for some sort of depth, even if they end up using him out of the pen. If you could flip some of the relievers, granted, I don't know how many, you know, what you could get for a Ryan Tapera. Or I think Aaron a team Luke would take Tapera, but I don't think anyone would take Loop. I think Loop's kind of just now stuck with the Angels because he has been very bad. But if nothing else, I mean, you explore it. Brad, Archie Bradley, I know he got injured. I don't know. what What's his timetable? Uh, his timetable is, I think he's back in August or September. <laughs> he broke his elbow. So that could be a team could say, you know, give you some 18 year old that, you know, has never played, you know, in the professionals yet and say, here, take him. We'll take Archie Bradley, if, you know, see if we can get something for him down the line. Even, and then you go into the more drastic measures of shot. Look, I'll be the one to say it. I think they should trade Shohei too, because the reality is first off, I don't know if Shohei, you know, he's a free agent after next season. Why would Shohei want to come back? I, I have a hard time really explaining considering I, I guess the Angels fans love him, but anyone, everyone loves Shohei. He, his success the, could happen anywhere. And all that has happened is, is a lack of team success. He hasn't sniffed the postseason. Have, have, has, have the Angels had a winning record with him? No. No. They haven't. They, I mean, they haven't. And, the Angels haven't had a winning record since 2015, I think. And to have, to, to, like just the idea of trading an international superstar once in a generation, a once in an ever player, it's hard to imagine. But what's even harder to imagine is letting him walk in free agency when he's when he's eligible and getting nothing back for him. And it's kind of hard think, to talk about. Do I think they're like... gonna trade Shohei? No. Do I do I think it makes sense to sure. Do I also understand not trading him? Yes, they're they're, they're especially with like someone such as Shohei. It's more than just necessarily on the field. There's a there's a certain level of of the you know global appeal, the the marketing of the Angels, which you have to take into consideration. I I wouldn't blame I don't blame an owner for thinking like that with with someone so transcendent as Shohei. But man, you could get a lot for him. That would that would really be what would jumpstart them. And the other side of that is if you were able to extend Otani. You're putting, you're paying him an ungodly amount of money. You're starting at probably some, you know, above forty million dollars a year, and you're paying. I think you're starting at forty five fifty. Yeah, yeah, probably. And so then you're paying the the majority of your payroll is going to Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and that would be a a solid like a hundred twenty million. That's a lot of money for three players. For you don't players. It, you don't really see teams wins like that. So it's it's tricky. And then you could look at lower tier guys. I mean, Taylor Ward's having a breakout year at age twenty eight with control. I don't think they'd trade him, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, so let's let's. I, I want to officially segue into this. What what do you think the Angels should do with the deadline? What do, what do we think our team should do? What do you think the Angels should do with the deadline? Well, like you said, I I, I think 
Uh, trading a piece like Cindergard isn't going to be hard. You're going to have some takers. He'll have a solid market. Not a great market, a solid market. Uh, I think Lorenzen will fetch you something. Nothing great, but um, I don't really think they can trade any of the bullpen guys because nobody's going to want to take a loop's contract the way he's played. Um, I mean, maybe if you ate some of the money, someone would give you like a decent prospect. Nothing great, obviously. I'm I'm just talking a decent return for a reliever. Tapera, you could move. I think Tapera would have a market. But I mean, it's just it's a weird spot because I think you either have to commit to like I think I think you just kind of have to commit to tearing it down. Honestly, uh, that doesn't include like trading Trout or anything or Walsh or Ward. But all your pieces that have expiring contracts within a year or two, I think you need to trade them. This is an awful team, and the farm system isn't great. And you just you've got to you've got to capitalize on it's it's crazy to say this, but like you have to capitalize on having the ability to trade someone like Shohei Otani and getting a generational return now, whereas next year he's going to get you much less because you would have two months of him at the deadline, and then after after that he, he's just going to walk. He's not resigning. So I, I, I really do just think you have to you have to trade Shohei Otani and everyone else around him. Yeah. So in terms of my team, my team is the San Diego Padres. And the number one thing that to me the Padres need to do at the deadline is offload Eric Cosmer. And I said it last year, said it before the season, and I'm saying it again. He is it's incredible how much dead weight he provides to this team. You can see it based on if you want to look at advanced stats. You want to just watch him hit into grounders at, at, to second base. If you want to see him, you know, not be able to catch a baseball standing at first base. If you want to look at his contract, he's making $18 million uh, in a- average annual value, making 20 this year. The team, and it's not Osmer's fault that he got paid this much money. I'll give him that. It's not, he wasn't the one who offered himself this eight year, $144 million contract. But this contract is limiting everything the San Diego Padres can do because it's keeping them, you know, they're not a traditionally huge market. I don't expect the team to want to go over the collect uh, or the competitive balance threshold. And so it, it would hurt to, you know, what you'd have to package to get rid of him. But after this year, it's, you know, you have three years left at only 13 a year. That's a lot more manageable, but he's, he's just, he's a nuisance to the team in so many ways that that has to be the number one priority because you're not, winning a championship with his money on the books and having him play first base most to every single day. So I think it starts there. And then in terms of actually acquiring, making the team better, Padres went rank 27th in slugging in all of baseball. The outfield play has been abysmal. Trent Grisham looks like a shell of his 2020 self. Um, Jerks and Profar has had a great year but he's not necessarily um, providing an incredible amount of power. Will Myers has been hurt all year, which has made, you know, the right field position. We haven't gotten much production, albeit uh, no Marmazara has been successful as of late. But when you have, you know, the likes of Jose Zocar getting meaningful at-bats, it, it's, it's hard to win when you don't hit home runs. It really is. I feel like I saw the other day the, the Yankees trio – of what is it judge stanton and and rizzo have more home runs than the padres combined manny machado is the only one 
hitting, really hitting home runs at all and a little bit of Luke Voigt. So Padres need to do is they, they simply put, they need power. They need outfielders. So I'd say there are three guys that I would inquire on, and then there are two lower tier guys that I, I would pounce on. The first guy that I would like to see them inquire on is Ian Happ. He's a switch hitter, versatile. He's prim- primarily played left this year, but he's played all three outfield spots, can play in the infield as well. Um, he has a career 464 slugging percentage, or I don't know why I said 464, 464 slugging percentage. Throughout his career, he's he's been a little up and down, but throughout that, he's been he's continually been an above average, or at least at worst, an average player. I think the flexibility he could bring to the team would be incredible. You have control of him through 2023. I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, one guy that I, I don't expect to be moved, but I think is worth at least calling on would be Austin Hayes of the Baltimore Orioles. Hayes is controllable through 2025. He's been, you know, really good this year with a 114 WRC plus, uh, 446 career slugging percentage. The cost to acquire him would be high, but getting that right-handed bat I would be, you know, great for the lineup. And the other guy I didn't inquire on, but I'm a little more hesitant on, especially based on a lot of Padres fans are really high on him, which I don't entirely get, is Ramon Laureano, uh, outfielder with the uh, Oakland Athletics. He's a plus defender. He's had a WRC plus greater than 100 throughout his whole career. Um, his, he has a career 455 slugging percentage, but the number, you know, the power numbers are a little down this year, and he's controllable through 2025 at a discounted rate, which is a plus, but one that means that you get that you have to probably pay a little bit more to acquire him. And the other thing is, does Ramon Laureano really make that big of a difference for you? And that that's kind of where I'm at in terms of I wouldn't be angry to see him, but I he just to me, Ramon Laureano isn't the big splash. I, I think I like Happen Hayes more. Granted, they you know, cost cost becomes a thing. And then two under the radar guys that I think would be very useful for the Padres um together or separate either way Tyler Naquin of the Cincinnati Reds uh supplies power against righties he's an ideal platoon he'd just be a rental so I think you really wouldn't have to give up anything more than a lottery ticket and then uh Robbie Grossman outfielder with the Detroit Tigers the opposite way he uh has been mashing against lefties his numbers this year overall have been miserable but he has a slugging percentage near 500 against lefties with a 174 WRC plus, albeit the sample size isn't huge, but the, his career numbers back it up with a slugging percentage at 415 with a 120 WRC plus versus lefties. Even in a down year, he continues to walk. He's a cheap bounce back candidate who once again, he's a rental. You wouldn't have to give up much for him. I think he's the kind of guy that if you're trying to navigate staying under the CBT, he would make sense for the Padres to explore. But my two cents on the San Diego Padres. We, I don't, I don't know what they'll do, but I know that they're going to do something. That's how they operate. Um, I, I just, I need Eric Cosmer off my team. It's really as simple as that. But what, what do you think about the Padres, Noah? Um, as I talked about earlier, I mean, I think the Padres, they need bats, and I don't know where they look, but I think a name that comes to mind is Joey Gallo. Uh, I mean, obviously Gallo has been awful this year, but I feel like it's worth paying a decent amount for Gallo because 
if he can go back to his Texas form, that's like the perfect bat for the Padres lineup. And he's he's pretty sound defensively. He's a pretty good defender. And you were talking about how the Padres need outfielders. I feel like it's a perfect fit. I mean, and in terms of, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, and I just, I think that would be a great acquisition for the San Diego Padres. And also, I'm wondering, do you think the Padres need to pursue another bullpen arm? No. Or no, I think. No, no bullpen arm. I think, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they added, if they just added a guy. But to me, it doesn't really make sense considering the bullpen hasn't been locked down exactly. Taylor Rogers has, has struggled a little bit recently, but they have a lot of arms, um, tons of guys on the shelf right now. When you think of Drew Pomerantz um, out right now, Adrian Marjone working his way back, Robert Suarez, uh, Pierce Johnson, there, there are a lot of arms. They have the arms. It'll sort itself out. I don't really see them, you know, giving up big capital to get a reliever, but they, they, they could add a arm. I just don't think it's it's as big of a of a priority as as some in the Twitterverse might think it is. But Joey Gallo, it's um, I'm I'm open to it. I think you might as well take a shot on him when we really are generating no power. But I I just, what do you give up for him in terms of control? He's um, I believe he's a he'd be a rental. He and would be so, a rental. And so. I'd give up like a, a mediocre prospect, but I, I, I don't see any reason why I'd give up anything significant. Like someone in the, I don't know, like a, like a Tierso or Nealis or something, someone random that just like, cause the, the opportunity for Gallo to bounce back would be awesome, but also he's, he's been miserable this year. He's been absolutely miserable. I think the Padres definitely will inquire if they haven't already acquired, inquired considering the, that AJ Preller loves getting guys originally from Texas. This would be like completing the infinity, you know, gauntlet, but Gallo in theory makes sense. It's just if he could actually produce is the question. So we'll see. I'd love to see that. It would, it would certainly be interesting. All I know is the Padres as they're currently constructed, they, they got to add power. It's, it, it's painful. I want to, I want to look it up. I know I said they're 27th in, in uh, slugging, you look at their the production from their team. You have Manny Machado's hit 14 home runs, and Luke Voigt has hit 10. Those are the only guys to hit double-digit home runs in terms of slugging percentage. You have one, two, you have four guys above 400 slugging percentage, and that includes Nomar Mazzara and 96 plate appearances. Like, what is that? It's, it's brutal. And, the, and another part of that is we're to the point where, you know, certain positional stereotypes don't matter as much. But when you have a first baseman who you're, play, who you're paying, I believe this year it's $20 million and he's slugging 385, it's going to hurt your lineup. It's going to hurt your lineup because that's just the first baseman. That, that's where you expect your source of power and the Padres just haven't gotten any of it. I mean, and it'll be interesting to see if they give Brett Rooker a little more, um, a little more playing time, seeing if he can, you know, surprise some power. So at this point, the Padres they they all walk at a pretty good rate. Padres can get on base. It's just a it, matter of that they, that they they can't supply any sort of power, and it's hard to win without power. If they need to add some power, uh, you know, you say they move on from Hosmer. 
Uh, do you think there could be a world where Cronenworth goes to first and Brandon Drury comes and plays the second base? I I honestly could see it. Ma- mainly, I could see it for the wrong reasons in that Drury's having a career year, and I could see AJ Preller seeing him as a um, as a cheap option. Obviously, he doesn't have you know a ton of control, but even just just paying a, a fair amount for a guy who doesn't have who has a career 91 WRC plus. I could, I, I could see that actually. It's an interesting proposition. I could see them um, in the run for a guy like Josh Bell, if you were to be able to offload Hosmer's contract. And, and the reality is if you're, if you're offloading Hosmer's contract, you're going to be losing one of your top guys. I don't, I, I don't know which, but it could be Robert Hassel III. It could be Luis Camposano. It could be James Wood. You're, it, it's just at this point, it's a reality, and it, it's disappointing. But he is just eating away at the team. And the Padres at this point, I, I, I don't trust our player development um, at the big league level, but we've drafted well, man. You, you talk about this last year, Jackson Merrill and James Wood are two top picks. They've been incredible. Wood was a second rounder that they signed – um, you know, to an above slot deal. He, he's already in the top 100 pipeline. Jackson Merrill, people thought was a reach, including myself. He's been great. And now is not the time for prospect hugging. You know, you wanted to win a championship, you're going to have to make those tough decisions. So I'm, I, I'm willing to move those guys in order to get rid of Eric Hosmer and, and contend for a title. But I've got, a, I've got one more question for you. Yeah. What do you think the Baltimore Orioles should do at this trade deadline? It's a fascinating question. And I, I honestly, one I game think, under 500. I mean, I, I think two and a half back. I think if you're the Baltimore Orioles, you don't do much. Maybe you inquire on, honestly, maybe you inquire on a controllable piece. Like if, if they, if I was running them, I'd at least call Cincinnati. I'd say, what's the price on Luis Castillo? Mm-hmm. Granted, yeah, th- I... this isn't gonna. It wouldn't happen. I, I, I guess I shouldn't say never, but I don't think this would happen. But if you're able to, if you could give him up without having to give up, obviously, you know, you're not touching Grace, Grayson Rodriguez or DL Hall, or or DL Hall. Um, but I, I, I don't know. You, you might as they're at the point where you, if you could get controllable players might as well take a shot at it. That's the way I see it. And in terms of selling guys off, I, I wouldn't trade Mancini. I, I understand. I wouldn't that. trade Mancini either. I would extend Mancini right now. I, I would extend Mancini as well. I think when you're playing well, I, there's a certain level to it. Yes. You know that they're probably not actually, a, you know, close to 500 caliber, good team. But when things are going well, you got to ride with that morale. And the thing about Mancini is Mancini's not a star, but he's going to be a productive bat in your lineup. I think it's worth their while to keep him around. I don't think that you move. I mentioned the Padres, you know, possibly kicking the tires on Austin Hayes. I don't see why you'd move him. Um, unless you're blown away, of course. Unless you're blown away. The, and, and Jay Preller could, could blow them away. If there's an offer you can't refuse, it's an offer you can't refuse. But I think mainly you ride it out maybe like – a Jordan Lyles you ship out because you know, he's an innings eater that you could maybe get some sort of return for. But I'd mostly ride it out, call out, you know, 
I'm trying to think if there are any other controllable guys that really make sense. Mainly just call about Castillo. Yeah, I mean, you just you got to look at controllable pieces, and if something makes sense, you pull the trigger. But I don't think they should sell, and I don't think they should buy. I think they should kind of just monitor the market. Um, and just you know, they got a good thing going right now, so. Because well, I mean, usually with a lot of these bad teams, you're talking about selling off bullpen pieces. Their bullpen has been phenomenal. Incredible. It's a it's been a top five bullpen. You have Jorge Lopez has been incredible. Felix Bautista, Dylan Tate. He's not they haven't necessarily used him in the same way, but Keegan Aiken. Keegan Aiken's C- been useful. Sino Perez. Sino Perez. Sino Perez has been has been incredible. You know, I watched the Orioles play the Angels in April, and I realized, okay, like, I think they've graduated from bottom feeder status. Like, they had grit, and I could see they had the grit. I, I, I wouldn't have predicted they would be 500 in the month of July, but, you know, that bullpen is really impressive to me. I mean, they've got guys throwing 97 with run, and they're, they're dotting the corners. Baltimore, I mean, that's – they've got fantastic player development. Yeah, they remind look, me a lot of uh, of the Detroit Tigers from last year, and I hope for their sake, I think they should take a similar approach. And hopefully, in the off season, they'll they'll be slightly aggressive in adding some guys, and hopefully, it'll turn out a little better. But you have when when you have Ryan Mountcastle producing well, you have Austin Hayes playing well. Hopefully, they can extend Mancini. You know, Mullins getting on track. You add that infusion of talent with. Adley Rutschman getting acclimated. You're going to have Grayson Rodriguez at some point, Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser. I mean, there's so much talent in this system that the the Orioles are are a team to look for moving forward. I'll I'll put it this way. If they can win through the rest of this month and you get towards the deadline, then, you know, maybe you say, you know what? Let's trade for a bat. Let's call up Gunnar Henderson. Let's go for it. I mean, I wouldn't blame them at all. They, man, they're they're a fun team to root for. I I, I really really want to see success for the Orioles. I'd love to see them make the playoffs. That would be incredible. That'd be awesome. And if nothing else, I it's hard to say that they haven't earned the opportunity to stay intact. Which I understand it's a business, but I don't see why you'd move Mullins right now. Mullins is having a down year compared to what he was doing last year. You're not moving Mountcastle. Mancini's been good this year. He's a good, productive piece. And it's one of those things where you, you see like, oh, well, if, you know, if they trade Mancini, who knows? The guy they get in return could be as good as Mancini. I Extend the guy. In Mancini's case. I mean, they he, love him there. He's, he loves he's, more, he's more than just a, a solid player. Mm-hmm. He's been an important part to this franchise. And so for them to to trade him after the success they've had this year, I think would be – it'd be a grave mistake. But Baltimore, it, it'll be interesting. I think it'll maybe some selective buying, selective selling. Let them play, though. Let let the kids play. Give them a chance. Give that group a chance. It's, it's fun to watch. I mean, Absolutely. when you think about that team, when they called up Badly Rutschman, everything changed. I mean, it's not like he's been a superstar on the field, but it, it's just like something clicked there when they – when they brought up badly, you know, the fans are 
are into it. Like watching the Angels this week playing in Camden Yards, they're getting 35,000 people in that, you know, in that place right now. I mean, those fans, they will ride this team to October if they can keep on winning like this. I mean, the, the, these players are human. It's not – There's we can talk about the numbers and, you know, this guy's having this year, you should be traded for that. They feed off of that energy. When you call up that top prospect, it, you feel that energy in the stadium, just that taste of that guy's play with a different intensity. It's, it's hard to turn around when you have a losing culture. And I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't necessarily say the Orioles as a franchise have a losing culture, but they've, they've just been bad these last couple of years. You, you have some guys play well. You have faith in them. You bring up Adley Rutschman. You let them ride it out. I think it would do them a lot of good. I think it would do them a lot of good. And again, they really remind me of last year's Tigers, but I, I think it can turn out better. Well, and keep this in mind. They're playing in the AL East, the best division in baseball, and they're doing this. I mean, it's insane. Throw them in the Central, and who knows? Yeah. Throw them in the Central, and who knows? But um, I'm trying to think, is, is there anything else that we that we really missed? I felt like we had most cylinders. This year is interesting because the names – at this point, haven't necessarily shown themselves to be as bright. We don't see a clear superstar being moved, but also did we think that Trey Turner was going to get traded at this point last year? No. I'll give you a team. I think if a superstar gets moved and you know it kind of comes out of nowhere, I think I could see the Mariners trading for a superstar kind of out of nowhere. You Absolutely. Know. Mariners have been the best team in baseball as of late. And they've, they've got the assets. They have the GM who obviously wants to make moves like that. I, you know, Depoto loves to do. He loves to do things. He loves to trade for people. And you know, the Mariners, they think they got the right price on someone. They'll pull the trigger. Yeah, I don't think a Brian Reynolds gets traded, but I think one guy, who his name has surfaced in the past, and then they extended him, so it kind of waned away. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a Cattell Marte got traded. Why that would be that would be a stunner, but I shouldn't any... say I wouldn't be I I'd be a little surprised, but it makes sense. I'm not necessarily saying to Seattle, but I don't know. That would be a, a weird one. Stay stay tuned. Stay tuned. But um Yeah. I haven't I haven't even thought about Cattell being a trade candidate, but the I, I really don't think Brian Reynolds gets traded. I, I don't understand it at this point for the for the Pirates. It doesn't really do them good. You just caught up O'Neill Cruz. And it's a, it's a similar thing, not that they're in a similar position in terms of success as the Orioles. But I think what that would do to morale and how that would help shape the team, it, it, it'd be bad. It would be bad because you trade Brian Reynolds, yeah, you're going to get a lot in prospect value. But why trade him when you have a guy who's shown that he can be a successful big leaguer at an important position? That's just that's just my two cents. So I that's never really made much sense to me. But if we're talking about a surprise guy, personally, I say Mike Trout should demand a trade to the San Diego Padres. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about it for a little bit. I think the surprise guy is Shohei Otani. I don't so. think it'll happen, though. I, I really don't think. I don't either. Should it happen? Maybe. Will it happen? I don't think. I think Artie Marino would have to have a heart attack and die for it to actually happen. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, that'll just about conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, check out the Instagram at v.redshirt. That's where I'll be posting when their new blog post, new podcast. Uh, the blog, the redshirt.blog or the redshirt.wixsite.com. Say, you know, self-explanatory. You can see the, all the blog posts there. Um, if you want to give the Twitter a follow at the redshirt blog, who knows? Maybe I'll actually start using the Twitter. But that that's all we have for today. Noah, thank you so much for joining me and talking ball with me. Thank you for having me. And that'll, and that'll conclude this episode of the Redshirt Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.